This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello, good afternoon, everyone. Firstly, thank you very much for your patience. Welcome to this FIFA press conference on the eve of the World Cup final here in Doha. The FIFA president here to answer some of your questions. Interpretation provided via the usual app on your phone. Uh, all being well, I will hand over now to Gianni for a review and some thoughts on the World Cup and of the FIFA Council meeting that has just finished a short time ago. Gianni. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Brian. Hello, everyone. Welcome uh, to this press conference. Sorry for being a little bit uh, late uh, due to, of course, the uh, council meeting and, uh, and obviously always, uh, you, you know, when it starts, you never know when, uh, when it ends, but it's, uh, it's great that, that you are all here. And uh, let me say how, how happy I am, of course, um, to be here with you today. So let me just give you a quick update uh, on what was uh, discussed and decided at the council meeting. Well, the first item I want to highlight and, and stress, of course, is um, uh, the praise for uh, the unanimous praise of the FIFA Council for this World Cup for the unique, cohesive power that this World Cup has shown. The thanks to uh, everyone who was involved, to, uh, of course, uh, Qatar, uh, all the volunteers, workforce, all of you, everyone who has contributed to make this World Cup the best 
World Cup uh, ever. Let me just give you just a couple of figures regarding this World Cup. You will receive, of course, all of that, but um, I think it's, uh, it's important. We had already a cumulative audience of 3.27 million spectators. Uh, it was 3.03 for uh, um, 2018 for all the matches. There are still two matches to go, as you know, of course. The average is uh, 52,760. Uh, it was a bit more than 47,000 in uh, 2018. Highest attendance, Lusail, 88,966 for Argentina, um, Mexico. 1.7 million people attended the FIFA Fan Festival, uh, almost 80,000 per day. And we played 62 matches so far without incidents, um, basically, in a very, very joyful atmosphere. And I think this is what uh, we need to, um, um, to bear in mind. The goals scored are similar uh, to the ones in, uh, in Russia, 163 so far. Important as well, no team has won all the games. And uh, for the first time ever, teams from all the continents moved to the knockout phase, showing that there is something happening when we speak about football becoming truly global for the first time. An African team, Morocco, an Arab team as well, uh, reaching the semi-final stage of uh, the World Cup. So again, congratulations. We also, uh, for the first time, a woman who refereed a match, uh, Stéphanie Frappard from uh, France. Uh, it was Germany, Costa Rica. And she did very well. Um, we had... Uh, 2.3 million higher card applications, 1.9 million approved. And the top five visiting countries were Saudi Arabia, India, United States of America, United Kingdom, and Mexico. So international atmosphere, uh, joyful atmosphere, football uniting the world, people coming together and wanting to enjoy a little bit their time, maybe forgetting also uh, some of their issues and having uh, pleasure. We will issue as well, after the final, of course, the um, viewing figures and, uh, uh, and the audience figures, but it has been, as you know, of course, an incredible success. We are approaching the 5 billion mark in terms of uh, viewing uh, figures. And let me again uh, uh, say a big thank you to all those who, who made this happen. We had um, almost 180,000 accreditations that were issued uh, also to, to all of you. Uh, we had more than 400,000 volunteers who wanted, who applied to become volunteers. 20,000 were selected from 150 different countries. So it was very, very successful, but uh, we touch wood. Do we have wood somewhere? Is this wood? Yep. This, that's wood, so we touch wood. Um, Two matches to go, so I say to everyone who is uh, praising or receiving praises, uh, well, focus until the end, um, and then we will, uh, uh, of course, uh, hopefully confirm 
these uh, uh, feelings that we have now, which are modern feelings, obviously. When it comes to uh, the council meeting, coming back to that, uh, we could confirm, of course, the revenues of this four-year cycle, which was at 7.5 billion, so one billion more than what was budgeted four years ago. You know, we have these four-year cycles. One billion more revenues in a period uh, um, which was uh, hit by a pandemic, by COVID. I think this is uh, quite remarkable. So again, congratulations to all those who were making this happen. And uh, looking forward ahead, the FIFA Council approved the budget for the next four-year cycle, which will uh, foresee a revenue of uh, 11 billion. So the last four-year cycle had a budget of 6.44, I think, uh, we made 7.5. The next cycle has a budget of 11 billion um, revenues, and almost 10 billion will go directly back, of course, to football. Uh, the Council also approved the talent development scheme uh, under the leadership of Arsene Wenger to detect and develop talents all over the world. 200 million US dollars will be invested for this particular uh, project. And we discussed as well, uh, um, and it was endorsed by the Council unanimously, some strategic principles with regard to the international match calendars for women and men and competitions for uh, women and men when it comes to the men to start with. Um, as you certainly remember, we had agreed a few years ago to have a new men's World Cup with 24 teams who should have taken place in 2021. Uh, this event was uh, postponed because of COVID. Uh, the new Men's Club World Cup will therefore take place in 2025 and will feature 32 teams, the best teams in the world. Of course, the details, load allocation and so on still need to be discussed, agreed and decided, but the 32-team tournament will uh, go ahead, making it really like a World Cup, like this World Cup with 32 um, teams. When it comes to the international match calendar, uh, the principle of having the two windows of uh, September and October merged to have four matches instead of two in September and two in October, four matches end of September, beginning of October, and for the rest remaining the same. And again, what we have seen in this particular World Cup, uh, the importance of having matches between national teams of different countries, of different continents, sorry, uh, happening more regularly more often, and the idea there uh, and the principle that was agreed, again, details to be elaborated, is to use the March windows, um, the 10 days in March, in the even years, so the World Cup years and the Copa America or Euro years, um, to organize uh, friendly tournaments between four teams of four different confederations so that they can gain everyone can gain this experience in playing with each other under, of course, the umbrella of FIFA, so FIFA World Series type of um, events to allow more matches between teams of different um, confederations. 
For uh, women's football, very similar. Uh, the first decision was to extend the calendar um, until 25 to give us more time to study the new calendar, but also to create a new women's club World Cup. Details again to be elaborated, and also a new FIFA Futsal Women's World Cup every four years as well, but um, with details to be uh, elaborated. Um, also, again, for your information, the uh, decision on the hosts of the Men's World Cup 2030 and of the Women's World Cup 2027 will take place in 2024. The Women's World Cup 2031 will be decided in 2025, so we have uh, the same six-year preparation span as for the Men's World Cup, so we, we are running after in order to really uh, align men and women competition uh, and World Cups. Um, what we would like as well is uh, uh, to see if um, the Women's Olympic Tournament can have uh, 16 teams as the men's Olympic tournament. Because today the men's has 16 and the women's has 12, we feel that uh, women should have 16 teams as well. So we will, of course, engage in discussion and see what is possible. Um, we also decided, again, in the purpose of making football truly global, to increase uh, the number of participating teams in the youth tournaments and making the under-17 tournaments for boys and for girls annual instead of having them every two years. This will start in 2024. Very important element, I don't want to forget that, is when it comes to the international match calendar, we have to take really into consideration the health and the well-being of players. Hence, as well, the four games window rather than two, two games window in September of October to have one intercontinental travel less for the players. But more generally, we need to ensure that there is a rest period for players, a holiday period, that uh, there are uh, 72 hours at least between uh, two games. Ideally, that there is one rest day every week. Of course, we need to be pragmatic on these topics, but as principles, and then we need to see um, how they can be enforced because it's important that the players are uh, at their best. So we'll now consult on all of these topics and then elaborate all the details, but the principles were um, approved and endorsed by the Council. We took then uh, some other decisions. Uh, Morocco will host the Club World Cup. Uh, the 22 Club World Cup, which will take place from the 1st to the 11th of February 23. Uh, when it comes to beach soccer, uh, World Cup in 23 will be hosted by the UAE and in 25 by uh, the Seychelles. We then approved uh, a whole uh, series of regulations. Uh, we approved, for example, the new FIFA football agents regulations, uh, which is a very important step after a few years of consultation and discussion in order to bring more transparency, professionality in the transfer system, the, transfer, the players' agents' uh, regulations or the agents' football agents' regulations are a crucial part. 
so this has uh, been approved, including a mandatory licensing system, the prohibition of multiple representation in order to avoid conflicts of interest, and of course uh, the introduction as well on, uh, of a cap on the Commission. Um, we approved also some amendments to uh, the codes of uh, ethics and the disciplinary code of uh, FIFA. And finally, there was also a clarification, and that concerns me, but uh, since uh, I'm here, I will uh, mention it, the clarification with regard to uh, my term of office. So currently, I am in my first term of office, uh, and on the 16th of March, uh, when there is the election for the FIFA president um, in Kigali, in Rwanda, uh, my second term of office as FIFA president will start. You know, there is a limit of three terms of office. So these were the main decisions taken by uh, the FIFA Council. Did I forget anything? No. Nope. Brian, no? Okay, then uh, I think we can uh, open the floor for questions. Okay, thanks, uh, Jana. You'll get that all on an email very, very shortly. I know it's quite a lot of information. Uh, okay, time for questions now. So if you could uh, please raise your hand, state your name and organisation. I will try my best to get around as many of you as possible. Certainly mindful of the... Um, let's go, please, second row. The gentleman in the blue with the white cap. Cream baseball cap. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. President. My name is Abdelaiz Abu Hamar. Ah, here. Uh, I was looking for a blue baseball cap, but it's not a blue. A white baseball. A white baseball, blue, a blue. Uh, okay, sorry. It's 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 a, bl uh, it's, um, a white hat today, uh, Mr. President. So it has been a massive uh, success, massive all front success, and and a quality of football. Uh, the, for me, the World Cup has been a, a really incredible success, yes, uh, on all fronts. Uh, the main one, um, of course, on, uh, uh, on the fans, the behavior, the joyful atmosphere, uh, the bringing people together, uh, fans coming from abroad, uh, meeting uh, uh, the Arab world uh, is, is, is very, very important for the future of all of us, I believe. But also when it comes to the, to the matches, I mean, we have seen some, uh, some incredibly competitive games. Uh, we have seen some, some surprises, maybe, uh, some great, great goals. Uh, the fact of playing in November, December, as opposed to the end of the season for many uh, players, uh, the end of exhausting season, uh, has certainly an impact. I mean, for many of these players, it is the first title of the season that is played in this World Cup, and uh, we've seen it uh, on uh, on the quality of um, of the games. Let me add as well, in this respect, that um, uh, I mentioned about the the, the refereeing uh, and the effective uh, time played uh, as well, because you've seen some additional time. Um, maybe unusually long additional time, uh, but uh, this has been a concern that was raised by the IFAP 
earlier this year. And, uh, you know, we play 90 minutes, uh, but uh, there are a lot of interruptions. So at the end of the day, uh, there was on average uh, 10 minutes, a little bit of more than 10 minutes, 10 minutes and 11 seconds played on average as additional time every match, bringing the duration of a match to 59 minutes and 51 seconds on average. So around 60 minutes of effective play which I think is uh, uh, definitely something very positive because everyone enjoys, people enjoy, uh, we have great games, we had some incredible uh, actions also at the end of the games and I think this was um, very important. This was also, let me add, a very fair uh, World Cup on the pitch, no simulations, uh, not so many yellow and, and red cards, actually a little bit less than, than in Russia so far. But uh, this shows as well, and the compliment there goes to the players and, uh, and the coaches who uh, managed to maintain uh, their calm. Okay, and to the referees as well, obviously. Thank you for your question. Uh, I was just going to go up near the back. Um, just on the point of referees, uh, we will be publishing some of the data uh, after uh, after this, just so that you've got them all to report. Actually, we'll go down to the front first. So we'll go over to Gabriel. Far right, please. Uh, thank you, Brian. Uh, Gabriel Marcotti uh, from ESPN. Uh, Mr. President, uh, Presidente. Buongiorno. Can, Buongiorno. Uh, I just want to take you back to the projected revenue, which you said was going to be, or the budget, you said it's going to be about 11 billion. So that's a 50% uplift yeah. repair compared to the, the current cycle. Yeah. Can you just explain a little bit what the main factors are going to be? Obviously, the 48 Team World Cup uh, is going to be a big part of it. Is that alone? What else do you see driving it? Are you, are you that bullish about the potential commercial revenues and, and broadcast revenues? Can you just explain how you get to that number? Well, we are, let me say, we are bullish about um, um, the power of football, so to say, uh, about uh, what we believe the impact of football or, or soccer, <laughs> as it's called, where we are going to to play the next World Cup, or at least in a part of the two uh, of the countries, um, we are more than bullish. I think we are, uh, you know, convinced that uh, uh, the impact of the game will be massive. It has been massive here. Uh, it will be incredible in North America. Three huge countries: Mexico, United States, Canada, organizing the event. 48 teams, 50% more, so from 32 to 48. More games. Um, revenues will go up in terms of broadcasting, in terms of sponsorship, and in terms of uh, ticketing and hospitality. Let's not forget that we will play in uh, uh, huge stadiums in, uh, in uh, uh, North America, stadiums which are uh, normally used uh, for uh, American football. So 80, 90,000, uh, 70,000 is almost the smallest capacity, uh, but then with a lot of um, uh, attractions for uh, fans. So we are expecting 5 million, 5.5 million fans traveling specifically for these events. And, uh, and we are convinced that football will be uh, booming in uh, North America because we will start working immediately 
uh, as of the 19th of December for that World Cup. Uh, when it comes to the men's, for the women's, uh, Australia, New Zealand, but uh, in 23. But we are really convinced of, uh, of, of the growth. There is one element since, since you mentioned it was a World Cup with, which allows me to make a little, a little remark, as you might remember. Um, we have been uh, approving a 48-team format with um, 16 groups of three, uh, of which a top two would move to the knockout phase of 32, and then 16, 8, 4, and 2. I have to say that after um, this World Cup and the success of the groups of four, and looking at as well some other competitions like uh, uh, the Euro, for example, where you have 24 teams and the top two plus the best third ones go to the next group stage. I mean, here the groups of four have been absolutely incredible in the sense that until the last minute of the last match, uh, you would not know who goes ahead. I think we have to revisit uh, or at least rediscuss the format, whether we go for 16 groups of three or 12 groups of four, uh, this is something that uh, will certainly be on the agenda in the next uh, meetings. But as you say, a 50% increase of revenues is uh, certainly something, um, well, to be proud of when it, when it will have happened, but uh, uh, already to be proud of putting out in the books uh, and uh, getting it approved as a budget. Thank you. We'll go over to the far left here, Jean. Uh, Hello, Gianni. Jean Descotes from AFP News Agency. Um, you just said that the next World Cup will have a 16 group of three. Um, how will you prevent uh, illegal agreement between the two teams that played the, the last game in the group phase uh, and avoid to have uh, Biscotto and, and, uh, and games like we, we knew in the past? And my second question is, uh, you're very bullish on, on the revenue of the of the next um, cycle. Um, is there any plan from FIFA to share this uh, wealth um, with, we used, you spoke about maybe have a compensation fund for uh, migrant workers here. Uh, what's, the, what's the status of this compensation fund and uh, will you share some of this wealth? Um, you should know that FIFA shares everything from its wealth. Uh, all the revenues of FIFA are being redistributed and reinvested, uh, mainly in the game and also in some other um, activities. It's sufficient to look into our accounts and uh, you will see that immediately. Um, when it comes to the legacy fund, I've been speaking about that as well and we have published uh, some information about that before this uh, World Cup and more will follow after this World Cup. When it comes to the 16 groups of three, that's exactly what I was just mentioning. It's something that we need to um, consider, that we need to discuss, whether it's 16 groups of three or whether 12 groups of four are better. Um, I just have a question, actually, to Brian. Is, is bullish negative? or Does it have a negative connotation? Because if it has negative connotation, I don't want to, to have yeah, a negative. Me I mean, I, we want to be... Bullish we are optimistic. We are convinced of the power of football. We are convinced that football will become the number one sport in North America, uh, or maybe the number two uh, to start with, and then uh, with time. But uh, we are convinced of, uh, of, of the power of our game, and, uh, uh, and you know, the more revenues we can generate, the more we can reinvest 
in the game mainly in all those countries who have zero, zero revenues, who depend on us. Um, before I became FIFA president, around 300 million a year were invested in uh, uh, football development programs. Uh, as of 1st of January next year, it will be 2.25 billion who will be invested in football development around the world. So seven times more, I think, uh, while well, this is uh, all done in full transparency and I think very positive. Bullish, aggressively confident and self-assertive. Confident and self-assertive. So we are bullish, yes. Sums it up, I think. Um, okay, th uh, second row, third row. Olof. Thank you. Uh, Olaf Lund from uh, Swedish TV4. Uh, you talk a lot about that uh, football unites, but uh, in this World Cup, especially in the beginning, we saw that it... When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Didn't have that uniting factor and we had federations like the Danish Federation, German Federation, critical of you. Some of them won't vote for you now uh, in Kigali. Can you explain all the things about when you refused teams playing with the One Love armband and why you did that and why some political statements are allowed and some not? Um, well, thanks. Thanks for the question. Um, you know, FIFA is an organization of 211 countries around the world. Uh, I'm, I'm very grateful and proud to the over 200 countries who have uh, expressed their support in writing uh, and orally to me. And to the others, uh, I'm very grateful as well and proud that we are always having discussions uh, with everyone on every topic. And there are many different concerns in uh, many different countries. Uh, there are different cultures. There are different ways of seeing. Um, uh, and, 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 and of seeing things. And as FIFA, we have to take care of everyone. We are a global organization. We do not have to discriminate anyone based on whatever legislation, whatever regime, whatever uh, values and feelings they have. There is one element and it's that uh, they have to come together. And, um, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, uh, regulations, well, uh, or prohibitions or not prohibitions, uh, uh, we didn't, it's not about prohibiting or not prohibiting, it's about respecting regulations. We have regulations which say in the field of play, you play football. And that's what we did. Everyone is free to express his views, his opinion, his beliefs in the way he believes, 
as long as it's done in a respectful way. When it comes to the pitch, to the field of play, you need to respect football. You need to respect the field of play. And these regulations are exactly there for this reason. This is nothing new. These are there for this reason, to respect and to protect 211 teams, football teams, not 211 heads of states, regimes, or what have you. It's 211 football teams and their fans who want to come and uh, enjoy football. And this is what we are here for. And honestly, honestly, I believe that uh, we are defending values. We are defending human rights. We are defending rights of everyone in FIFA, in the World Cup. Um, but I also believe that those fans who come to the stadium, those 80,000, 70,000, 90,000, 50,000, and all those billions of fans who are watching the World Cup on TV, maybe, and we should think about that, and I say this candidly really to everyone, you know, they, maybe they have enough, everyone has his own problems. Everyone has his own problems. They just want to spend 90 minutes or now 100 minutes or 105 minutes or whatever, or 120 minutes plus penalties, without having to think about anything else than just enjoying a little moment of pleasure and of joy, or at least of emotion, because if you lose, you are not so happy, but of emotion. That's what we have to do. We have to give to all these people a moment of time in their life where they can forget about their own problems and enjoy football. And between, after, all the time, between competitions, during competitions, outside of the match and the field of play, well, everyone can express his views and opinions the way he wants. But let's give this moment of joy to those who want to enjoy the game. Okay, we'll go to the second row and then Gabriel, the third row. So second row, please. Um, gentleman with a hat. Second row, please. And, uh, thank you. Bonjour, Monsieur le Président. Vous êtes où? Ah, là, ok, parfait, merci. Bonjour. Good morning, Cameroon football. And my question is in French, President. Morocco has reached the uh, World Cup semi-finals. And that's the first time that an African um, team has reached the semi-finals. How do you evaluate uh, Morocco's performance, and in particular the performance of other African teams as well at this World Cup? And is this a rebirth of uh, African football? Do you think African football will now be more widely respected around the world? Thank you very much for your question. Well, I think that uh, Morocco has uh, played uh, exceptionally well and uh, uh, it's a great success. They've, a very, they've played very well. They've played with uh, great desire and determination and um, with uh, undeniable quality. Reaching a World Cup final um, can't be done by chance. It's the result of a long-term uh, effort, investment by the uh, Moroccan Football Association, all of the technical staff, a young Moroccan coach, uh, who was also in club football and was very successful there, and then has shown us how you can play attractive and effective football. Uh, 
Um, so congratulations. And uh, so I see you've got a, a lovely hat there. Hats off to Morocco. But also I'd like to congratulate uh, the other African teams, including Senegal, who qualified uh, from the group stage, which wasn't the case in 2018, and then came up against uh, a very strong England team. I'd also like to congratulate Cameroon, Ghana, and Tunisia, who also played very well, and uh, up to the last minute of the last match, uh, they still had a chance of qualifying, which I think shows you the standard of uh, African football, and I'm delighted with that, because uh, for many decades now, we've been talking about uh, the development of African football and when their time will come, and I think their time has come. And in the next World Cup, uh, there will be um, double the number of African teams uh, qualifying, which means that there will be other African teams too um, at that World Cup. And so I'm sure we can look forward to some excellent performances from African teams uh, at the next World Cup as well. So well done. Congratulations. Merci. Just behind Gabriel, uh, ITV. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. Gabriel Clark, ITV. Um, the Qatar World Cup organizers said that this tournament would leave a transformative legacy. How do you judge this World Cup and what will be the single most transformative legacy of this World Cup? Um, well, I will wait until... Uh the end of the final to judge this World Cup. But I think uh, already now that the transformative legacy of this World Cup is that um, many people from around the world have come to Qatar and have discovered the Arab world which they didn't know or they knew only for what was portrayed to them. And at the same time, the Qataris or even the Saudis or the Emiratis who also welcomed uh, many fans from around the world have uh, prepared themselves to welcoming the world have opened their houses, their doors, their country to welcome people, to welcome everyone from everywhere. And the main legacy is that those who came and those who were here to welcome them have actually discovered that what is said or what is thought or what is believed is not true. That you can spend time together and just enjoy and just have a good time and just know each other better. And these people, when they go back home, they will speak about their experience. The people who stay here, they will speak about their experience and they will open up more to the others. And I think this is uh, uh, really an important uh, uh, non-football legacy uh, which uh, this particular World Cup has, uh, has brought. One of our main concerns 
before the beginning of the World Cup was, of course, uh, linked with safety and security, right? You have 32 countries, your fans of 32 countries and others, all at the same time in the same place. In a normal World Cup, you have fans of two countries in one place at one time. So you can manage that from a crowd management and security point of view. So we didn't know before this event how people would react, how the fans would react. Would they start you know, finding each other and fighting with each other or not? And we have seen that actually you know, human beings are fundamentally positive and not fundamentally negative, are fundamentally good and not fundamentally bad, because people just come together and the more international, the better, because they come together to uh, pursue their passion, which is, uh, which is football, to have good time. And uh, we, had, yeah, we had no single incident. I mean, this is quite, uh, quite unique. But again, let's wait until the end uh, uh, of, uh, of the World Cup. Let's remain focused and let's hope it will end as it was. Uh, but having contributed a little bit to a mutual understanding of a few people, or a few hundreds of thousands of people, or a few million people, uh, I think is something very positive from a non-football perspective. From a football perspective, well, I could speak for a few hours about uh, how great this World Cup was and, and what the legacy of it uh, will be, but uh, we leave that for uh, after the final and see who will be crowned world champion. Conscious of time, a couple of questions remaining. On the front row, please. Lady to the left. Thank you. Hello, um, Noah Fala, Dutch Television. Um, earlier this year, you've spoken about three people dying during the construction work of the World Cup. Um, Hassan Al Tawadi spoke about 400, so 500 people dying. How can you explain this difference, and what does it say about the way in which this tournament was organized here in Qatar? Well, I think that every person dying is one person too many. It's, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy for the family. Um, it's a tragedy for, for everyone involved. It's a tragedy for us, for, for everyone. Um, the figures you mentioned are two different uh, figures. The three plus one are people who died in the constructions of stadiums the 400 or 500 that were mentioned are people who died in other, I mean, general uh, constructions. I don't know in many, how many years, do you remember uh, what was said, since 2014 or something? Yeah, I think probably 2014. So when we speak about figures, we always have to be very precise um, in order not to create, um, you know, impressions of uh, uh, something which is actually something else. So we have to be very precise about the figures and we have to uh, uh, be um, attentive to how we portray that. Um, as I said, for me and for us, every loss of life is, is a tragedy and whatever we could do in order to change the legislation to protect the health of the workers, 
to protect the situation of the workers. Um, we did it, and it happened. Whatever we can still do for the future, we are doing it. We continue to work on that. We have uh, uh, had several discussions, and we are on the on the. We are very close to agreeing. This will happen in January, certainly. A memorandum of understanding with the International Labour Organization, because we want to bring this experience uh, into the future and make sure that uh, uh, we can help, we can leverage the World Cup and the spotlights which are on the World Cup and on football more generally to make lives uh, of people and their family a bit better. Okay, next question will go up at the back, please, and the blue T-shirts and glasses. Adrian. Bonjour, Monsieur Infantino. Vincent Romain, Journal Sud-Ouest. Good morning, Vincent Romain, uh, Journal uh, Sud-Ouest in Bordeaux, France, and I have a question in France. I'd like to come back to what you announced. Where are you? Can I see you? Just at, on the top, uh, on the first balcony. You spoke about the Club World Cup uh, 2025, and I wanted to know if you could say anything else about how you're going to integrate that competition into the match calendar, given that a few days ago the British press said that the European Club Association was opposed to that plan. Can you explain how that will fit in to the international match calendar and how long it might last and when it might take place? and in which country or which city. Thank you. I don't know what the British press says or doesn't say, but uh, I know what we've decided, and that is that it will be a club World Cup with 32 teams to be played every four years. And the first edition will take place in 2025, in the summer of 2025. And during that uh, slot, uh, where in past years there was the Confederations Cup, and it will be slightly longer because obviously there are, 20, there are 32 teams, so it will have to last a little bit longer, but they will be the best teams in the world um, who will be invited to participate. And, but all of the details will be uh, developed uh, in due course and we'll decide uh, where it will take place as well over the next few weeks or months in consultation with all of the stakeholders. And the uh, FIFA Council has taken the decision now as a matter of principle to hold that Club uh, World Cup. But don't forget that we were the only football organization in the world, I think, uh, at any rate at international level, um, not to have organized the competition during the pandemic. Everyone else um, postponed their competitions, but then uh, shortened them or played them. And we had a club, uh, a World Cup uh, planned in uh, 2020 with 24 teams. That was cancelled. It wasn't replaced or postponed. Um, and we did that because we wanted to allow for the Copa America and the Euros, and uh, we wanted to protect the health and well-being of players and not overburden uh, the calendar. And that brings me to another issue um, and allows me to underscore that when you talk about the uh, product for the next four years, this new Club World Cup is not included in that 11 billion forecast. That forecast is without taking into account this uh, Club World Cup. 
Um, so I think actually we're going to uh, have an even greater sum uh, that we'll be able to invest in world football over the next four years. Here, Fernando. Hello. This question is going to be in Spanish. Rafael Fernando from Onda Cero radio station. My question is related to the calendar. Yesterday, we were made aware of the decision of the general um, lawyer uh, of the uh, European Court or of Justice, the general counsel. And you were mentioning the health of the players. In the end, everything is taking place in a very short period of time. And I would like to know what do you think about the decision of the general counsel of the European Court of Justice? Well, in this regard, the report of the general counsel, we've communicated our opinion already. We did so yesterday. We believe it is uh, very positive for the organizations involved in football for FIFA, UEFA and others, since it acknowledges that we are legitimate to organize and approve competitions and tournaments, that the pyramid system in sports with FIFA, confederations, uh, uh, MAs, leagues, clubs, etc., has solid grounds from the legal perspective in European regulations. So this confirms what we have been saying for a long time now. Regarding your comment on calendar, the Club World Cup, etc., I think it is quite clear that every organization wants to advocate for their own interests and their own competitions. There's always room for improvement, that's for sure. I believe that in some corners in the world, one would say that there are too many matches and too many competitions, but in other places, there are no competitions at all. So we need to assess what can we do further in order to give and create more opportunities to clubs from other areas in the world so that they can compete against the best amongst the best. And I think that's the core mission of FIFA. And if that's not it, then okay, let's, uh, you know, shut down FIFA and just stay with a couple of leagues. Let me remind you that if a national league in a particular country commercializes uh, their rights, their 380 matches a year of uh, one league plus the cup, etc. Where are the revenues going? To those 20 clubs who play in that league. Maybe there's a solidarity percentage that stays in the country. A confederation like UEFA, CONMEBOL, CONCACAF that organize Champions Leagues with 100, 200 matches a year, every year. Where do revenues go 
to the 32 clubs that uh, take part in that competition, plus a solidarity percentage. To whom? To those in the Confederation, MAs, clubs, etc. The only organization in the world of football that gives back their revenues in an egalitarian way to the whole world is FIFA. Those winning the World Cup, men, uh, men and women, well, everything else is distributed uh, around the world. So what FIFA gets in revenues is then distributed or goes back to the game. So we need to continue pushing so that the game is further developed at a world level. And to do so, we need to organize competitions. When talking about competitions, of course, we're going to uh, negotiate and discuss with all uh, the stakeholders so that we can protect the health of uh, players. Back, please, the gentleman Grian and Alcas. Hi. Muldi Jamai de la Chan Alcas, Qatar. Je vais poser. Alcas. Qatar, I have a question in English. Since we are working on this file before 2010, from your contact, Mr. The President, and from also FIFA feedback, do you feel that this target was achieved uh, first of all? And then, did this can change the global mentality to give more chances for uh, other areas as um, North Africa, West Africa, Southern East uh, Asian countries? Uh, definitely, yes. I, I, uh, but you should ask uh, really uh, the people. Um, more generally also who, who came here from South America, from North America, from Europe, from Asia. Uh, I think that um, um, what, what has been achieved here in the Middle East by welcoming the world has been quite, uh, quite unique. There is no other event which welcomes so many people. And everyone who's coming here goes home with, uh, with a nice memory. And I'm sure they will come back because they have discovered uh, new people. And I think this is definitely something that only the World Cup can do uh, in such a massive, massive way. And for this reason, indeed, uh, it has to be an ambition uh, and a mission as well of FIFA to organize its events in new countries. Not speaking only about the Men's World Cup, also the Women's World Cup. I mean, we're going to the Southern Hemisphere with... Uh, uh, Australia and, uh, and New Zealand, but also use competitions. We went to India for, uh, and Costa Rica for the girls under 17 and under 20. Uh, of course, there are not masses of tourists or of fans who are going to a use competition, but there are the players and there are the environments and there are a few people going. And they learn new countries, they, they meet new countries. For the boys, we'll go to uh, Indonesia and to Peru uh, next year. So we have always to think about 
new places around the world. You mentioned Southeast Asia, very, very important. Ten countries, 650 million people passionate about football, and they never see big players, big clubs, big national teams, uh, except on TV, right? I think it is our duty as well to see how we can, uh, uh, well, you know, make football even more uh, uh, global. And uh, if there is one thing that this World Cup has shown us, it is exactly this, that when people come together around football, well, the atmosphere is uh, extremely, extremely joyful and uh, positive. Thanks very much indeed, uh, everyone. Any inquiries now to media at FIFA.org? I know we've been responding to uh, well over 800 uh, emails in this tournament. We've been doing our best to engage on the phone, WhatsApps. You've all got different numbers for us, so please don't be shy in continuing to contact us for the remainder of this tournament. Thanks all for your time, for your patience. Uh, all the best in the coming weeks and in the new year. Thanks, everyone. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. 